Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. Proverbs 22.6 might be one of the most well-known verses in Scripture. And at the same time, one of the most misunderstood. Now, when you read that verse, train up a child in the way he should go when he's old. He will not depart from it. We read that verse, and I think one of the reasons why we misunderstand it is because we are looking for an explanation. In other words, here is a family. It's a good family. They have been a part of the Lord's church. Their children have been involved in all kinds of activities with the youth group. And they've been raised in a Christian home, in a Christian environment. But somewhere down the road, something happens. And they're no longer faithful to the Lord. And we wonder, why is that? What happened? We misunderstand it because we want to explain it and probably to blame somebody. We want to say, well, if the parents had been better, the child would not have gone away. I've had many parents say that about themselves and ask the question, what? did we do wrong? This idea of trying to figure out why it is that the verse doesn't always work, but we want it to. Maybe we also are looking for a guarantee. Why should I spend this time really working with my children? Well, because there's a guarantee. And the guarantee is if you do the effort right now, you're going to have success later. That's what Daniel was talking about to some degree, bartering with the future. And looking for this explanation and trying to figure things out we take this proverb and I think we abuse it. And it's not so much that we abuse the proverb, it's that we don't really understand what's going on in the background. I don't believe, and I've said this many times, I don't believe a person has to know original Bible languages to go to heaven. And you don't have to know original Bible languages to understand everything in Scripture. But I do believe this. There are times when our English translations don't quite capture what a verse or a word is teaching. And it's in those situations when we can take just a little bit of time and say, 
well, let's see what's going on back here, and maybe it will help. Let's do that for a few minutes. And as I said, this day has a lot to do with training young people. We're going to have an opportunity for young kids and families to get together this afternoon and enjoy a fun time. And that's training. That's developing relationships. That's helping them to appreciate Christian environment and recreational fun. And then tonight we're going to see, participate with young people as they display some leadership things that are part of the Lads to Leaders Convention this weekend. So today is about the training of children. Let's think what's going on in this verse for just a few minutes this morning. Number one, I want you to see, as this proverb was written, it was written as a principle and not a promise. Solomon was not saying to us, all right, I have a foolproof rule in raising your children. Here it is. You do this and everything will always be okay. Foolproof. Here's the problem. There's not a single person who's ever lived who hadn't been a fool sometime. And fools, those who don't always do what's right, don't always make good decisions. There's nothing we can do to make sure that perfect parents raise perfect children. That would take away individual responsibility. Just because parents train the child doesn't mean that that child is now a robot and they're going to do exactly what they've been taught to do, never varying at all. That doesn't happen. Individual responsibility. And yet, this proverb was written in the same way that we say some things even today. Does anybody really believe that it is an absolute guarantee and promise. An apple a day keeps the doctor away. Does anybody really believe that that's 100% accurate? In other words, if I will eat an apple every single day, there will never be a reason to go to the doctor. That's not why that statement was given. That's not the intention behind that. And there's no one that believes that you're never going to be sick because everybody's going to die. Comically, I'm reminded of my grandmother. She was 99, living with my parents. And they had these long stairs to go up and down. And I'm convinced because they had her sleep upstairs. I'm convinced she lived 10 years longer because she had to go up those stairs every day and back down them again. And that's why my parents are doing as well as they are too. But one day, 
My grandmother looked at me with her crooked finger and she said, I don't take a single pill. And I thought, I hope that's me. Then she turned to mom, her daughter, and said, why am I still here? Everybody I know has already passed on. Isn't it my turn? And mom said, you got to get sick to die. <laughs> she was the healthiest 99-year-old person I've ever known. But even in that, this body wasn't designed to live forever. An apple is not going to keep you alive forever. That's not what the psalm, what the writer of the Proverbs was saying. Let's look behind it for a minute. When I see this word train, I think of one thing, and you do too. But let me help you understand what's going on. The word translated train there, used 17 times in the Old Testament. 16 times it has been translated with a word, dedicate. That ought to tell us something. On one occasion, the temple was dedicated to the Lord. On another occasion, an idol god was dedicated to idol worship. But there was another interesting thing, too. Hannah desperately wanted a child. And after praying to God that God would let her have a child, she made this promise. If you give me a son, I will give him to you. I'll dedicate him to you. This idea of dedicate is what's going on behind the word train. Let's look at another one. Train a child in the way he should go. Interestingly, you would never know this. Probably not. We see the phrase should go. And in the original, it comes from a word that means the mouth. See if we can put all that together. In Bible times, when a newborn came along, in order to get that child to nurse, they would take chewed dates or olive oil and rub the gums of the mouth of the baby, preparing the child to nurse for its sustenance. In other words, learning and growing and life began at the mouth. What's he saying then? This idea of the mouth 
is an idea of rubbing the gums and getting them ready. It's a time factor. Do it now. That newborn child, when does that child need to eat? Tomorrow? Now. It's a time factor. But it's also a word, again with the mouth, used to say train or exercise or develop submissiveness like the bit does when placed in a horse's mouth to be in control. It's a word of intention. So train up a child in the way he should go is a time word. Don't wait. Do it now. A preacher said that a young mother approached him and her child was three years old. When is it time to put my child in Bible class? Lady, you're three years too late. Get started now. You've already waited too long. How many stories I have heard of people who say, I have been in Bible class from about the second or third week of my existence. This has just been my life. But it's also intentional. That bit guides the horse where the rider wants to go. And Solomon is saying there's intention behind it. Parenting doesn't just happen by accident. You create a submissive environment. You create a healthy environment. You choose. Now let's retranslate the verse with those things in mind. Dedicate your child from the beginning. And when he's older, those things will not be far away from him. Parents who don't train their children to know the Lord, raise children who have to find the Lord. And they may not. Parents who raise their children to know the Lord raise children who know the Lord. They may not stay faithful, but they don't have to find him because he's right here. And if nothing else, maybe it will be a nagging sensation in his or her mind 
that when they want to depart and pursue a life without the Lord, it will bother them and bring them home because parents dedicated their children to the Lord. And that will always be there whether they follow it or not. But number two, this is a principle, not a promise, but there is promise in the principle. It's a promise that all of us as parents must make. It's a promise that all of us as the church should make. Number one, the promise is to fulfill your duty. Children, the psalmist would say, are a gift from the Lord. It changes, or it should, change our mentality as parents about children if we think of the fact that they are given from God. We understand as Christians that we are stewards, don't we? A steward takes care of something for the owner. Let me ask you something. Do you find when you borrow something from somebody else that you actually treat it better than you treat your own stuff? Have you ever borrowed a car from somebody? Were you nervous? Were you concerned that, oh, man, I sure hope nobody runs into me? Or, or one of those grocery carts doesn't get loose in the, in the parking lot? Or I sure hope a rock doesn't fly off a truck. It's somebody else's car, and I'm driving it carefully. I want to take care of it. And then you get in your own, and you're in a racetrack on the interstate weaving in and out of traffic because it's your car. I mean, come on, I know it. Children are part of our stewardship. We are raising them for God, not for ourselves. And in stewardship, we have a responsibility. God had told the Jews, He said, look, you take these commandments of the Lord, and you talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. Write them as a sign on your hand and as frontlets between your eyes. Write them on the post of your gate and on your doors. In other words, you encircle your children with my laws. 
which is why Paul would say, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. We have a duty. But you know what? As a church, we also have a duty. We don't take over what parents are supposed to do, but we support what parents do. We provide opportunities. We are involved in the duty of training children. Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5, verses 1 and 2, the older men teach the younger men. The older women teach the younger women. That's a part of training and bringing up, dedicating them to the Lord. In the principle that Solomon wrote, there is the promise, the promise that each one of us will fulfill our duty. Number two, there is the promise that we will provide a direction. You don't just let things happen. One man was talking about not wanting to cause his children to think only the way he wanted them to think. He wanted them to have the ability to think for themselves. And therefore, he didn't force anything on them. He didn't put them in situations like, as he said to the preacher, going to church, I mean, that's what I want to do, but I want them to make their own decision. And he went outside, the preacher did, and he saw this man had a manicured lawn and front yard. And he said, why do you treat your yard better than you treat your children? Intentionally, you direct what's going to grow in your yard. But you don't direct what's going to grow in your children. It still amazes me. It still amazes me that parents are so forceful at washing hands, brushing teeth, and taking baths, but balk when a Bible teacher would dare to send home homework. Or letting children decide whether they're going to come to Bible class or not. What? You're concerned about all that? But not this. What direction are you giving your children? Jeremiah said, it's not in a man's way to direct his own footsteps. People decide their own direction for what they think is right. But Jesus came along and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, 
I'll tell you what direction is right. But finally, there is in this principle the promise, the promise that says we will help them or we will teach them to make decisions. That same writer would write in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 1. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come, the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. In this principle is the promise that I will provide decision making to my children. I want to teach them and give them the ability to make decisions. There are some people that can't make a decision to save their lives. I want them to be able to make decisions, don't you? And that's a part of dedicating them to the Lord. Number two, we want to give them opportunities to make decisions. Parents just can't decide every single thing and say it's going to be this way. We have to give them room to make decisions. It doesn't mean that because they decide it that it's right or that they're going to do it. But they be, be given the opportunity to make decisions. Number three, they need to be supported when they make the wrong decisions. They will because parents will too. Dedicating them to the Lord and helping them learn to make decisions means when you make a wrong one or a poor one, I'm going to support you anyway. And fourth, you can always come back when your decision leads you away. You can always come back. The door's always open. You can be right here again. Today, as we think about children, families, training, dedicating from the very beginning, understand that, the, that Solomon said, here's a principle that you can live by. It's not a promise. But there's a promise in that principle that if we will fulfill our duties to direct and train them to make decisions, the things that we give them will always be there, even if they don't follow them. They'll always be there. And it just may be that that keeps them from going astray. God has done the same for us as children, directed us and guided us through his word and through faithful Christians. Because the end goal is important. He wants us to be with him. Today, if you're a child before God, as we all are, in need of his forgiveness and of his help, if you want to be a part of his family where real training begins in the waters of baptism, you find that family. And in this family, you find help 
if you need us to surround you with helping you rededicate your life to the Lord. Today would be a great day to let us help you if you'll let our shepherds know. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.